0: Hello, Monetization Nation. Today, I am joined by Greg Poirier. Greg Poirier is the founder and president of Cloud Kettle, a consultancy focused on improving operations and revenue growth for large organizations. He has spent more than 12 years in the Salesforce ecosystem and is a five-time Dreamforce speaker. He's a sought-after presenter and advisor specializing in marketing and sales operations for SaaS companies. Thank you so much for joining us today, Greg. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Can you share with us something that you are super passionate about?
1: I would say, I mean, it depends if we're talking about inside work or outside work. If we're talking about, yeah, okay. Um, If we're talking about outside work, I'm very passionate about the environment. Uh, Just seems like a pretty big problem that's gonna affect all of us globally. Um, If we're talking about inside work, I'm very passionate about company culture. Um, You know, ironically for a company that is really focused on building around software systems, um, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about the people and the human side outside the software system. Um, And I I think we've done a pretty good job at reflecting that in the culture at Cloud Kettle, but also in helping some of our clients with that as well.
0: What is your best story of helping improve uh, culture within a company and, and maybe your best secret or strategy for doing that?
1: I would say I was—I was—I've been incredibly fortunate in my career a number of times. Um, but one of the key things that has bubbled up across, you know, three or four companies I've worked at since I graduated from universities that I had really, really great leaders. And um, when I worked at Empire Theaters, as an example, um, you know, I was very fortunate that I reported to Sue Oland and Dean Leland and we had a really great CEO and they were very focused on company culture and they did really amazing things like have a quarterly all hands meeting that they broadcast to every movie theater across the entire country so that every single employee, including every 16 year old popcorn popper, every night cleaner. Every single person could see the CEO get up in front of the camera and the entire leadership team and communicate where the organization was going. And then, you know, I was very fortunate. I went to Radiant 6 and uh, Marcel Lebrun and the leadership team there did something very similar, although at a smaller scale, because we didn't know movie theaters were a SaaS company. And, um, you know, I had the benefit of also seeing once we got acquired by Salesforce, how Mark Benioff you know, put his own much bigger spin on that, of course. Um, but I, I've just had that benefit of having those people who practiced a great deal of transparency and believed in communicating and the importance of communicating how the business was run and what was affecting the business to everybody in the organization, not just other managers. And, I, you know, I, I like to think at least that we've brought um, a large part of that into Cloud Kettle. And I think it's, it's made a really big difference as we've grown.
0: Could you share with us your story of your journey to become an enterprise sales expert?
1: I graduated with my MBA uh, around uh, one of the tech busts, and I had every intention of going into marketing at a technology company, and obviously the timing was not optimal for that. Uh, So I ended up um, taking a uh, very entry-level role at a cinema chain where I was Uh, 50% marketing coordinator, 50% um, junior salesperson. And uh, that sales job was phoning people um, and asking if they wanted to buy ads in front of the movie um, or phoning teachers and asking if they wanted to book class trips to one of our movie theaters. So very, I I mean, as cold an entry into sales as you could get. Um, But I I learned a lot from it. And, um, you know, I had the benefit that that organization at the time knew that they were about to go on an acquisition spree, and we went from being a little very small regional cinema chain into being one of the largest cinema chains in North America. Now, I didn't know that when I joined, but they knew, and I think they had, um, you know, uh, a plan for me in some way. And I was very fortunate that, you know, as part of that growth, I got to really grow, and I went from that very entry level role to, you know, having the ability to be the person that ran all of digital advertising. Um, I ran the events, uh, you know, live events that beamed onto the movie screen. I got to run things like mobile ticketing and uh, got to experiment with these new, um, relatively new technologies uh, like Salesforce and um, Exact Target, which became Marketing Cloud at Salesforce and Google Analytics and Google AdWords. And these were things that were very new at the time, but I was just, really fortunate that my passion overlaid um, with a lot of big changes that were happening in the market. But also at the same time, I worked for a lot of people that believed in me. And, um, you know, I would go to them with an ask and they would say, well, that actually does not seem like a Obvious idea, but you seem to know what you're doing. So here's, you know, this amount of budget to go do it, and they kept giving me that, and I kept bringing home wins. But they had the faith in me to do it, and I don't think, um, I don't think most organizations would have been able to do that.
0: That's really neat to have a supervisor who's willing to invest in you, even though they don't see the vision, but they are are willing to trust in you and your vision.
1: Yeah, that, And that's a sign um, of a great leader. Yeah. And from there, I was very fortunate. I got recruited to go work at Radian 6. Um, and eventually they were acquired by Salesforce. Uh, and, you know, at Radian 6, I was doing what would now be called marketing operations, but didn't have a fancy, sexy title back then. Uh, so, you know, very, you know, very fortunate that we got acquired by the company that, you know, I was really passionate about the platform for. So that obviously was great for me. And then, uh, you know, later recruited to go build up um, marketing operations and sales operations ecosystems at two other B2B SaaS um, companies. And then eventually became COO of the last one. And eventually it was acquired and, you know, decided along with two other people who had worked with me at Radiant 6 that we would go off and, um, you know, start this company called Cloud Kettle, where we would do the fun stuff that we loved about our jobs, um, but not necessarily have to deal with um, some of the other stuff we weren't as enthusiastic about in terms of, You know, the leadership roles of, um, you know, uh, meeting with boards and going out and closing investment rounds and a lot of other stuff that's part and parcel of running a B2B SaaS company that, you know, in our senior roles of CEO and COO, et cetera, these SaaS companies we've been recruited to, we didn't really want to do that anymore. We want to go back to doing the marketing operations and sales operations stuff that we were really good at.
0: Nice. That's nice to hit a spot in your career where you can choose to focus on the things that resonate with you, the things that light your fire. So tell us, where'd you go from there?
1: Uh, well, that was the founding of Cloud Kettle. So that was about seven years ago um, that I started the company, and you know we've been very fortunate that we've grown along with our customers since then. Um, you know uh, we made the decision very early on that we want to focus on the Salesforce ecosystem. And that was a, you know, somewhat obvious choice, but not necessarily a home run. Um, And, you know, in in that time, Salesforce has gone from being a, you know, good sized um, enterprise software company to being a company that employs 50,000 people and is one of the largest um, enterprise software companies in the world. So again, really right place, right time, right platform. And, you I've been lucky that the company's been able to grow along with that.
0: Yeah. Salesforce is definitely a, a, a fabulous platform you can do a lot of things with. So with all of the amazing success you have had in your career, what is the greatest home run you've hit?
1: I think Cloud Kettle is is the greatest home run. And there's a certain amount of ego tied up in that. And that. I started the company and seven years later, but, you know, we are now a company that has millions of dollars in revenue a year. And, uh, you know, for someone who grew up in a really small rural area, uh, that, you know, and, you know, didn't have a computer. And, uh, until I was in university, that's, that's a pretty amazing, um, I think evolution of where things went and, you know, I'm very proud of that. And I'm proud of everybody who works here who helped contribute to that. Um, you know, outside of Cloud Kettle, if I was to go back further in my career, and you know, again, another story about right time, right place. When I was at Empire Theaters, I, you know, conceptually thought that um, we could deliver people's movie tickets to their mobile phones um, via text message, and at, at the time, that was not a very obvious thing. Uh, there was no sporting venues or movie theaters or any other venue that was doing that in North America. We actually had to go out and um, get technology from Europe and a bit from Japan in order to be able to execute on it. And uh, it just happened from a timeline perspective that when we were going out and doing it, Um, uh, one of the Harry Potter movies and also the first Twilight movie were coming online. And uh, those happened to be very specifically aligned with a group of people who are highly likely to want to do things on a mobile device. And again, you know, in 2021, this sounds really obvious. But at the time, I remember going to senior leadership at the company and having to explain how you would use a text message on, um, you know, a mobile device and walking them through that, Uh, you know, right place, right time. Twilight uh, was sold out every back-to-back screening for you know weeks at every movie theater in North America. And a lot of those people were teenagers who were very eager to use their phones. And yeah, just, it blew up. We could have never have estimated the order of magnitude of tickets that we sold on mobile devices. So yeah, and again, some people had faith. Uh, gave some budget, allocated a lot of resources, and we're very fortunate that it worked out.
0: And with that demographic, you almost get a first mover competitive advantage by doing something first where people think it's cool and want to try doing something like that the first time. What's the biggest mistake or failure you've had in your career and what'd you learn from it?
1: Well, when I left uh, Salesforce, I was recruited to another B2B SaaS company and um, because of how well things went at Empire Theaters um, and then later at Radiant 6 slash Salesforce, I thought that winning at a B2B SaaS company was a lot easier than it was. And so, you know, I I went to a company, they had a seed round of funding and, uh, you know, they had what I thought was a good product, but I didn't do enough homework on the founder's I didn't do enough homework on the culture fit and I didn't do enough homework on the product market fit. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I also recruited a lot of really great people to go work there that I'd worked with at other companies. And, you know, the company just, didn't make it happen. And, you know, eventually I was put in a place where i to lay myself and then later, well, I guess at the same time, other, uh, close, um, peers off, uh, that i had recruited there. And, you know, there's no question that at least part of that was a failure in my part, and that I didn't do enough investigation before going there, you know, me having to leave the company because there wasn't enough money to support um, myself. That's fine. There'll always be a job for the Gregs in the world, but certainly it wasn't as easy a transition for some of the other team members.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Having to let people that we care about that have trusted us go. What is your best monetization strategy or secret?
1: I think one from, you know, if you look at it from my perspective, where I'm very focused on enterprise sales and really long, big sales cycles. So how do you close deals that are 100K, 250K, 500K, a million dollars? You know, how do these big enterprises close sales like that? And how do you support that with systems? I think one of the um, really amazing opportunities that is missed often is the ability to move data from Salesforce into the Google analytics ecosystem in order to improve retargeting. So most organizations, um, they do a lot of really dumb retargeting. Hey, if you come to my website and you don't download our ebook or our Forrester guide or, you know, what Gartner said about us or however, um, whatever the case may be, you haven't filled out some kind of form and become a lead. We're just going to hit you uh, with retargeting until you finally do come out and fill out a form and then we will stop. And that's a very blunt force interest instrument, not particularly effective on the enterprise side. So on the enterprise side, you have that ability um, using, you know, uh, Google Analytics and Salesforce, you can push your Salesforce lead status or opportunity stage data into Google Analytics. And using that, you can build audiences. So you can say, this is everybody who is a raw lead and they're open. These are people who are a marketing qualified lead and they're ready for SDRs to start pursuing. These are people who have become a sales qualified lead. And you can start to retarget those people in the Google AdWords ecosystem in a a much smarter way. And if you think about it, now, companies invest uh, a lot of advertising dollars in retargeting people to make them become a lead, and then they stop investing in them. But somebody who's already a lead is an order of magnitude more valuable than somebody who's not yet a lead. So at that point, you really should be running more retargeting ads to them that are specific to the lead status and what part of the sales uh, process they're in. So if somebody has finally become a lead, maybe you start running them advertising, talking about um you know, a lot of brand awareness so that when that SDR phones them, they're very uh, ready to speak to you and you're very top of mind. And after that SDR sales qualified them, maybe you start showing them video case studies. Um, but there's there's a lot of ability to do that with the Google um, ads ecosystem that people don't take advantage of.
0: Okay. So your best monetization advice and strategy is to do smarter retargeting and, and taking your your data from Salesforce or whatever system they might be using and, and getting it inside Google for that retargeting.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you're using Salesforce and you've got Google Analytics 360, which you probably would have if you're at scale, there's a free out of the box solution that Salesforce and Google offer in order to do that. It's just most companies aren't aware of it and they're not educating their ads team or their agency as the case may be that that data exists so that they can leverage it.
0: Yeah. Do you help companies do that integration?
1: We do. Uh, we're a Salesforce partner and a Google partner. So we often help with that. We don't run advertising campaigns. I think there's a lot of organiza- organizations out there, much better placed to do that type of work. Um, but we'll provide them a lot of background on the strategy around behind how you do that, why you should do that, and what type of content works at each stage of that um, selling cycle.
0: What do you think is the biggest tectonic shift that is transforming the business landscape today?
1: Well, I think regulation is probably the biggest one. So, um, you know, certainly I think almost everybody in marketing is going to be aware of GDPR and some of the implications around that. Um, Most of our American friends, particularly those in California, would be familiar with CCPA. We're also seeing, as a result of the new government that's in place in the US, there's probably going to be um, a lot of new regulations and scrutiny around, um, you know, the activities. and how the big um, two, uh, the Google ecosystem and the Facebook ecosystem, are gathering data in order to do advertising. Google Chrome's elimination of, um, you know, moving to that cookieless or less cookied world and uh, moving away from that third-party data world. Uh, Apple's privacy um, push. Those things are all combining to really um, move us into a world uh, where it's going to be a lot more difficult and going to require a much greater deal of sophistication in order to do the type of advertising and retargeting and just understanding your customer um, that historically, um, you know, larger and more sophisticated um, organizations have been able to leverage. Now what I would say is I think overall, it's a good thing. Um, you know, those organizations and those major platforms have had free reign for too long and some scrutiny is probably valuable there. Uh, but it, it is going to cause a lot of pain and um, you know, I think, uh, organizations just have to adapt to it quickly now because it's coming, waiting mm-hmm. and hoping it's going to go away in two years is kind of a non-starter.
0: And taking advantage of it as much as we can right now before it goes into effect, right? Can we use the current ecosystem to build our customer lists big enough so we're not dependent upon those platforms and we can market directly to our customers when that happens? So one of the tectonic shifts we've been talking a lot about is credibility marketing. Do you have any, any stories or examples or, or secrets or strategies of credibility marketing you could share with us?
1: I think one of the ones that we like to see and recommend a lot is using video and other um, i guess other means of delivering uh, customer testimonials and customer case studies and customer stories video is particularly effective although it doesn't always have to be video but again going back to what i was talking about about using retargeting much more effectively um, you know if you've got somebody who because for a lot of the clients we work with the sales cycle, um, could be six months. It could be nine months. It could be 12 months. So you have to keep yourself top of mind and you have to keep them engaged for a very long period of time. And, you know, if somebody's reached that point where their sales qualified and they're actively in a sales cycle with a sales rep, and maybe that deal is worth a quarter of a million dollars or half a million dollars in some cases, um, you know, having things set up so that, um, People at that organization are automatically um, seeing video advertising, showing happy customers, talking about how they solved a problem that's similar to the problem um, that this company is experiencing, giving that credibility, showing that other enterprises and other organizations are using the product and succeeding with it. That can be really, really effective in video, particularly as a means of retargeting. Although not just that, I mean, certainly you want that on your website. You want your sales reps to, you know, be enabled with that as something they can send out. But um, putting those customer stories and those testimonials, particularly um, using video as the medium, um, it's really effective and everybody nods their head and says it's a good idea, but very few companies do it well.
0: Any secrets or strategies of how to do it well?
1: I I think the biggest one, which um, the biggest barrier is that uh, nobody wants to make the ask. Um, I, I, think, uh, salespeople in particular don't certainly don't want to make that ask of the customer, uh, customer success managers, um, they really are focused on making the customers as happy as possible. And they feel awkward asking, um, for what they perceive to be a favor. The way I look at it, and certainly, um, at radian six, we did a really great job of this. I can't take credit for it, but other people did a really great job of this is y- you position it and it, it's not false. It's very true. You position it as a great opportunity to provide exposure to somebody at that company who's doing an amazing job. So it's not, hey, can you do me a favor? We really would love you to do this video thing talking about us. That's the wrong approach. The right approach is, hey, you are a very smart person. You've come up with a sophisticated way to solve this problem at your organization. You planned it out well, you deployed it well, and now you're using our product very successfully. That's a testimony to how smart you are. Let us give you a platform where we can promote and talk about how amazing a job you did at that. And Mm -hmm. I think if you go into it with that mindset, you're likely to get a much better product at the end
0: because the pitch is what's in it for me, right? You're telling the customer what's in it for them instead of asking them to help you. Mm-hmm. In the end, they really don't care about us. They care about how we can help them with what's important to them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, approaching people to speak at events, I you know—I think it's very similar. So you know, we try not to, and this isn't always uh, the case, of, uh, you know, but uh, where possible, if we're asked to speak to an event, we'll try to bring a customer with us. And again, hey, we're going to speak at Dreamforce. Um, you did this really great project with us. Instead of us just being on stage, how about you get on stage with us and we'll tell the story about how you did this amazing project at your company, and um, certainly, uh, easily the best uh, Dreamforce presentation I've ever done. That was the case um, where we did it with uh, one of our clients and partners, and uh, it was it was about showing them off and showing off the great work that they were doing.
0: And that is the. A crazy good example of credibility marketing, because instead of you telling the world what a great job you did, it's one of your customers who's telling the world what a great job you did. And, and they, people are going to trust your customers so much more than anything you could ever say. I love that. Inviting a customer with you to a trade show to speak with you. Thank you so much, Greg, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, strong leaders are trusting. We should strive to create a healthy environment where our employees and partners feel trusted and heard. Number two, strong leaders communicate transparently with their entire teams, not just with those in management. Number three, strong leaders do significant research before they make their decisions. Number four, we are more likely to find success in our businesses if we focus on the people and human side of things. Number five, Greg's best monetization strategy is to do smarter retargeting by taking data from Salesforce and using it in Google Analytics. Number six, we should continue to market to our leads even after they make a purchase. To learn more about or connect with Greg, you can connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter or visit his website at cloudkettle.com. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to identify and leverage the highest passions of our ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in becoming a stronger leader. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.